Hey podcast listeners, it's Todd Finley, the founder of HBCU Grad. On this episode, I talked to Donovan Dooley. Uh, he's worked with ESPN and a few other big brands. He's an Aggie, went to North Carolina a but we go into a lot of different things on this episode. We talk in depth about how to craft a great article, which everyone can use because writing is a very important form of communication nowadays with everything being digital. Uh, we talk about starting a media company, um, starting a foundation, the opportunities in media, then we even talk about daily affirmations and he talks about how they changed his life. Then we even, if you stay to the end, we even predict the NBA Finals winner. So that, that's always fun. And he's a very solid, critical thinker who is on the rise. And I think you'll love this episode. But before we start, go to Apple or Spotify and click follow and subscribe right now. Please do that for us. Click on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this and click follow and subscribe. We never really ask for anything, but please do that for us right now before we start the episode. It will really help a lot. Also, please tweet us at HBCU grad if you need to get in touch with us. We also dropped a new apparel line. Go to HBCUgraduates.com slash shop to check it out. Let us know which colors we should do next. Thanks a lot. Here's the episode. All right, today we have Donovan Dooley. Donovan Dooley is a media professional who has spent years producing content for entities such as ESPN, CBS News, and Go Media. In 2017, he also started his own production company, well, his own publication, excuse me, TrueBull.com. Dooley founded a new nonprofit organization earlier this year called the Dooley Foundation as an avenue to help provide opportunities to young professionals marginalized communities who are seeking the chance to accomplish something spectacular. Thanks for being with us, Donovan. I want to I get right into it. I want to start off with a different question than I usually ask. When you wake up, what's the first app you check? Uh, when I wake up, the first app I probably check is my notes app. That's kind of where I get my you know daily affirmations for the day. And everything. Uh, my pastor, L. Spencer Smith of Impact Nation Fellowship Church, he gives me some good nuggets, you know, every Sunday or whatever that I can jot down in there. And so first app is um, when I wake up, it's probably my notes app. I try to go and look over those things, you know, and then obviously I go to Twitter like everybody else. <laughs> you know what I mean? We go check, check out what, what's going on with the day and everything like that. So, yeah, those are probably the first two. Right. That, that makes sense. Now, where are you from originally? I'm originally from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So I was born and raised there. Um, yeah, I was born and raised in Tuscaloosa, Alabama my whole life. You know, roll tie country, all that. Diehard Alabama fan, all that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, that's where I'm originally from. And then I went to school at North Carolina A&T State University, the best HBCU in the land. So, you know, that's kind of where my journey has taken me. Why did you choose HBCU? Yeah, so it's kind of a funny story behind that. Um, my parents, or they're both graduates of Tuskegee, uh, and so I always known about HBCUs growing up. However, I was always kind of adverse to them at first because I was like, you know, my parents went there, you know, they went to HBCU. I want to do something different, you know, me just being, just being stubborn. You know, I wanted to do something different. I want to try something new for my own path. 
But like as I started looking up colleges and things of that nature, um, A and T really caught my eye, you know, because um, number one, they give me scholarship money, and number two, they were in an area like that Greensboro area that was kind of new to me. You know, I always wanted to work in media, especially when I was when I was younger, and you know, it was it was relatively close to Charlotte, so I was like, you know, I'll, I'll give this a look, give this a try. And I did, and it turned out to be the best decision that I ever could have made. I got so many opportunities and just made lifelong friends there. And, you know, I still talk to so many people that I went to school with today and from faculty, staff, you know, everybody. It's just been amazing. So, you know, I'm glad that I didn't continue to be that stubborn kid that was saying no, you know, (laughs) because I didn't want to follow in my parents' footsteps. So, you know, it's been great. You know, when I went to an HBCU, I went, I, my freshman year was 1999. So in 97, FAMU won College of the Year. So 99, it was like FAMU was the whole way, like everything was about going to FAM. You know, Howard's always going to be Howard, Morehouse, Spelman, you know, that type of thing. And with us being in the HBCU space in the middle, we see that. North Carolina A&T is hot yeah, right now. They are. Why, why do you think North Carolina A&T is so hot right now? Yeah. I mean, you really looking back to, I always say this to people when I talk to about how hot A&T got all of a sudden. Like, if you really go back and look, it really kind of all started for me in like 2015 when you started seeing just everything just started clicking on all cylinders. It was like the football team was now – doing nationally televised games at the Celebration Bowl. They're on ABC every December, it seems like. You know, you're starting to see this influx of kids coming into coming into A&T now where the talent level, you know, is starting to rise even more than it was before. They've all they've always had talented kids, but now you're starting to see the level of the level of kids are starting to get in there and they're starting to starting to pick up as well too. They start to become the largest HBCU in the in the nation, you know, so their numbers start increasing. Yeah. And they started and they started advertising themselves. You know, I felt like I felt like they started advertising themselves in a way that was actually starting to click with like our demographic. You know what I mean? They started saying they were producing the number one. They're the number one producer of black engineers in the country. You know, they started putting out all these stats, all this info and everything of that nature to really entice you to A&T. Because what's interesting is like as a kid that grew up in Alabama, you know, we had HBCUs like obviously Tuskegee, obviously Alabama State, obviously Alabama A&M, um, Jackson State, Mississippi Valley. Like you heard about those schools and everything of that nature. But when I decided to go to A&T after I did my research, everybody was looking at me like, A&T? What? What is that? <laughs> like, like, who is A&T? Right. You know what I mean? And now when it came to like my senior year, like in um, 2018, 2019, it was like, oh. S A and T, you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. that, we know, we know exactly what Incat's about now. You know what I mean? So it, it, it was very, it was a very quick and sudden rise for them because, like I said, back when I was growing up, you really in um, Alabama, you really didn't even know much about that school. And now it's like, it's it goes like Howard, obviously, when you talk about the prestige and everything of that nature, and then you're talking about Incat right up there with it. You know, especially in this day and time right now, yeah. you know, that we're talking about as far as, as far as the one being one of the hottest schools that, that's out right now. Right. Yeah, that's so true. So I, I see the football, 
Um, I can see the marketing a little bit. Um, does it have anything to do with like some of the students? Were there any like high profile people that came out? I know Tam J came out of there. He was around kind of like my time. Was there any like other high profile? Because I'm trying to see if we can take something from what North Carolina A&T is doing and give that some, you know, give that to some different HBCUs to help them with their recruiting. What do you think? Yeah, I'm trying to think um, off the top of my head. Um, you know, Darren Brand, you know, obviously he's yeah. affiliated with school, you know, there as well. I'm trying to think of some high profile names that probably came out around, you know, in that in that time period. Obviously, Tariq Cohen, the, the football player, plays for Chicago Bears now. He he was right. also around that time period. Um, you know, Brandon Parker of the Oakland of the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, and some other and some other NFL players, some other NFL talents come out of there that really helped put the school on the map. Um, but I think I think holistically, rather than just you know a few names, I really think it's just been the the success really of of the school holistically and the students that have been coming out of there. You know, holistically, you know, you got guys going to Google, Amazon, you know, Microsoft, um, ESPN. Like all these different companies where people are starting to look at like, oh, what's that little school in Greensboro doing that's producing all this all this black talent? You know what I mean? And so that's where I think we're really getting to or we're really achieving and really getting to that prominent spot for AT. Makes sense. Now, you've done some some work with some big brands like ESPN, CBS News and Deadspin to young journalists. Tell us how you landed those gigs. And how would you suggest they put themselves in the position to work with big names like that? Yeah, um, I'd say for me personally, I'll start off with that one. I was working my tail off basically since I found out that I wanted to be like in this media space, because as you know, it's a doggy dog world out here. You know what I mean? There's so much going on that you have to be prepared for it. And so I was just basically working, you know, if I could do work, especially early on, if I could do work, I know everybody is not fortunate enough to be able to do like unpaid internships and things of that nature. Um, but if you can just get your foot in the door somewhere, you know, like doing anything and you it doesn't even have to be with, with anybody else. Like you can be doing your own thing. You can start your own podcast, start your own, um, you know, site or whatever you want to do. That's the same thing that I did at North Carolina A&T when I started TrueBull.com. You know, you can do your own thing as long as you're out here producing and working and having something to show to people when you are connecting with them, because that's also the second piece of the thing, too, as well. It's like the networking part is so crucial because the only reason that I got the opportunity to be able to work with ESPN is because I was in, um, you know, my professor's um, offices. I was in my interim chair's offices. I was in these different faculties, offices and everything like saying, hey, this is who I am. This is what I want to do. You know, this is what I've done already. And when opportunities come up, now you're on their mind. You know what I mean? And they're, and they're passing you along and, you know, giving you a chance to try to go and do something special. And that's for me, that's what that's happened to me. I went into Miss Wiggins office, Miss Gail Wiggins, love her to death, uh, went to her office and was like, hey. Um, I'm a freshman here at a and I'm Donovan Dooley. I do X, Y, and Z. And this is what I'm interested in. And lo and behold, you know, Bill Roden, 
um, from ESPN at the time comes in and is like, hey, we're starting this new program for um, HBCU journalists, you know, called the Roden Fellowship. And, you know, they so happened to pick me. And, <laughs> and that's how I ended up getting into this space. And, you know, everything kind of fell into, fell into place after that. So, um, well, I'll, only thing that I would say is, like, just continue to work, continue to do what you do, do what you want to do do what you're passionate about and, and network and make sure you have your stuff that you're able to, to pass along because the opportunity will come if you prepare yourself for it. You know, one of my biggest thesis is working for free. I think if you work for free, you get into doors that you would never believe that you could get into because if you charge someone, someone's going to start to kind of compare you against everybody else. Uh, right. If you work for free, they're going to let you in and then you can really show your stuff. What, what are your working for free especially from an internship perspective yeah i i believe that you should take it if that is if you are if you if you can you know i mean there's a whole lot of people who do not have the i'll say they don't have the really the opportunity or the chance to considering because they got all these other different circumstances that are going on you know in their life and maybe they just don't have the time to really take out to to do an unpaid internship or to do something of that nature. So um, I completely understand that in that regard as well, too, which is why I think that as an industry, you know, especially in this communications field, we should be working to make sure that nobody has to make that hard decision, you know, and things of that nature. For me, it worked out for me. Uh, and, that, and that's what I'll say. Like, for it worked out for me to do unpaid internships, to work, get some skills, you know, get some um, work out there for people to see you know, on websites and on different platforms, things of that nature, it worked out for me. And if you are in that position to be able to do that, I would tell somebody else to, um, yes, go ahead and do that as well. You know, work for free, get your work out there, get your stuff published, get help from people who have been in the field, you know what I mean? Because that stuff's going to be valuable going all the way down the line, you right. know? So, but I understand that a lot of people are not in that position to be able to make that decision. And so that's why I feel like we, as an industry, we have to also work harder to make sure that we're not leaving talented journalists out there to dry because they have to make those tough choices. I'm always thinking about the audience as far as like bringing them value. I want to get into a few tactics here. Give me the elements of a great article. Right. Number one, I think you have to be and people will disagree with this, but I think you have to be connected to your story. I, I, I firmly believe you have to be connected to your story in some way, because if you're not, you're not going to truly give the same essence that you would if you if if you are not connected to that story. You know, you see what I'm saying? Like if I do a story on the plights of black Americans, I'm going to give that story more, you know what I mean, than I would. Then, then another person, probably another a person of another ethnicity would. You see what I'm saying? So you have to be connected to your story, and you have to reach out and get other voices outside of yourself. I feel like that is a huge part of storytelling as well. It's not not just seeing it from your vantage point, but seeing it from other people's vantage points as well. And you know, just tying it all together through making the reader actually feel feel what the story is supposed to be about, feel how it's supposed to connect and feel what you're trying to communicate to them. And I feel like those are the three main points. I feel like you have to, you have to, you have to be connected to your story. I feel like you have to get, 
you know, other people's vantage points to be able to completely tell a full, well-rounded story, you know, and you got to be able to, to connect with the reader and be able to get them to feel what you want, want to display. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I totally agree with that because when you're working on a subject that you don't know much about, it's like you're reaching. Yeah. You know, you're, you're reaching at all times where I've had people even reach out about HBCUs and they're so not connected. No matter what I say, they're still not going to get a full understanding. So that's good. I'm glad you told me that because I'm not classically trained in media. Um, and when I started this, I didn't know what I was doing. It was an Instagram account. And then right. it turned to the podcast and, you know, and everything like that. And I've learned along the way. Right. You know, and I, I can probably learn a lot from you, you know, being classically yeah. I mean, we we all learn a lot from each other, you know. What I, mean? right. that, I feel like that's the key too. Whereas, like, we have to we have to take these opportunities, you know, in these circumstances to be able to look like, hey, you good in this area, I'm good in this area. We collab and we working together, trying to trying to get everybody strong. You know what I mean? I feel like we need to focus on that too as a community, as well. Not even not just as an HBCU community, but also as just a black community in general. It's like we got to collab instead of instead of we're looking like, oh. That person gonna get in the door here. I gotta beat them there. It's like no, we gotta we gotta come together. You know what I mean? And try to get and try to help help both both of us get to somewhere we need to be. You know what I mean? So exactly. Yeah. Why did you start your own media outlet? Yeah. Um, well, it's kind of funny because when I started TrueBull.com back at A and T, the whole preface of it was to give other journalists the chance to be able to produce work and to be able to to learn and grow you know what i mean i like there's still some some of my friends like i still have really close friends that worked with me you know on that site and i still talk to them to this day you know and the really the main the focus of it was just to give people a chance and opportunity i learned i learned how pivotal and how vital it was to have an opportunity to produce your own content from working with ESPN and working under Bill Roden. I learned like how powerful that can be if you're just giving like these students a voice and giving them a chance to be able to, to be able just to do work. And so I was like, you know what we can do here is like, everybody's not gonna have the opportunity to work with the ESPN or work with the CBS news or work with whoever, you know what I mean? But we can give them a, a platform here to where they can write, you know, I have some expertise. I can help, I can help edit. I can help refine their tools, you know what I mean? To help them be better and we can, we can publish their stuff. And, you know, and I've had people that went from truebull.com to do, go on and do some really amazing, amazing stuff. Like working with like some actual publications, like the Tuscaloosa news. Um, some of them have even gone on to apply for the fellowship, the ESPN fellowship and things of that nature as well, too. So, like, it's it, really I want that to be a springboard for other people to to get into more opportunities. And that's exactly what it did. So I'm happy with it. Right. Where do you if someone's starting out and let's say you were starting out and you were fresh, where do you see the opportunities in media today? Yeah. Honestly, for me, I, I see the opportunities in media. I see a lot of entrepreneurship in media. Yeah, I, I see a lot of that, to be honest with you. Like, I think the days of you coming out, going to a traditional newspaper or going to a traditional news station 
locally, I think those days are starting to be numbered um, if they haven't already. And I feel like with the with, with the invention of social media, you can really create your own platform and speak to a specific audience and a specific market that's going to enjoy the stories that you're telling. You know what I mean? That you want to say, that you want to tell. Like if you, even if, just, if it's just HBCUs, we've seen markets where just HBCU content is going to do well. I mean, like look at your account. I mean, we're plus a hundred k on Instagram. You know what I mean? That's just on that's just on IG. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's an audience out there for what you want to do. You just got to tap into it and find it. Now, that's difficult. Yeah. And that's is. difficult to do. But I feel like that's really the trajectory of where this is all going. I think that, you know, with everybody being so consumed on their cellular devices that you can you can create you can create your own platform, you know, and that's what and that's why I would challenge people to do. Like, you know, even if you. You know, if you need some stability or whatever, you can do this on the side to your nine to five or whatever you want to do. You know what I mean? And you can get some and you can actually curate an entire platform that people will follow and people will engage with. Yeah. And people will pay you. Like you get paid. You yeah. can make YouTube money, you can make Instagram sponsored post money, you can spin off and you know, do apparel. It's just so many ways to make money. You can get one scholarship, you can get one um sponsorship and that may be a hundred grand. You know, yeah. you can have yeah. a title sponsor. And, you know, it's all about relationships. And, you know, a lot of people, I don't think enough people realize how hard it is and how much work creating content is. Yes. On a daily basis. And right. think about those big publications. That's not easy. Even a guy like Stephen A., like, you know how hard that is every day to get up and do content. Yeah, look, don't realize. Yeah, people <laughs> honestly do not realize it. Like, you got to come up and the thing about it too is like they're expecting something fresh from you every single day. Every even day. When, even when the news cycle ain't even fresh. <laughs> you know? And that's the thing about it too, where it's like, what am I gonna come up with today that you ain't seen yesterday, the like the day before, or even the week before, when we don't even have a different news cycle? You right. know, what I mean? and so like it is definitely a challenge. That, that's why people don't really understand it. It's like we're having to come out here and produce content all the time and, and do these different things like some of this sometimes it's just like yo where are we getting this from <laughs> right <laughs> nothing nothing that is so true that, that is so true now, now you started your own foundation yes walk me through the process of starting a nonprofit. so if somebody wants to start and they know nothing about it just walk me through the whole process right so starting day one and obviously um the pandemic gave me a lot of time to be able to like plan this whole thing out and see like step by step what needed to be done but number one i would say it starts with a lot of research a ton of research into what you are actually trying to do what you actually want to accomplish what your mission is going to be and then number two um you have to go and get file all the paperwork, you know, with your state, whatever, whatever respective state you want to file it in, um, where that be your articles, you know, or your bylaws or anything of that nature, all that legal paperwork that you have to get solidified, all that comes into play as well, too. And then number three, it comes into like trying to form what this is actually going to look like. You know what I mean? Like, how are you actually going to present this? What is actually going to look like to the actual viewer and the consumer and your audience? You know, and 
it, there, there's just a lot of steps, man. It's a lot of steps to it. It's, it's, it's a long and arduous process, but it's been fun. Creating the Dooley Foundation was something that I've always wanted to do, but I, I never knew I would do it this quickly. But it's been something that's been fun, and I'm just we're, – we're so excited to be able to help marginalized communities just achieve opportunities. I just feel like that's such, that's such a key for especially, like, our people. It's like we need opportunity. Like, you just need something that can get you in that door. You know what I mean? I feel like that is just like, that's just like the bridge to creating something special. Like, if you just give somebody an opportunity, you know, who knows what they can do? They can just run with it. They can run with it, you know? And that's what we, that's what we want to try to do through a myriad of different forms. You know what I mean? We're still, we're still very young. And so we're growing day by day. But that's what we want to do. And that's kind of the, kind of the thought process for it. You're right. Awesome. Now, how do you get people to help you? Do you try to build it up to a level where you're looked at as an authority and then try to get people onto you? Or do you share your vision with people and try to get people from day one? Or do you go to people that believe in who you are and bring people that are close to you? Do you bring family members? Because, you know, getting people to work with you is a tough thing. It is. So I want to know kind of your thought process behind that, your strategy. I think it's got to be a combination of both, honestly. Like, everybody is different, and um, I'm learning this day by day as we go as we go by and we're doing this. Like, every single person that you talk to, every single person that you communicate with, whether that be social media, whether it be out in person in the community, everybody that you're going to talk to is going to be different. Like, they're going to view you and your organization differently from a different scope. And so what we're really learning to do is we're really learning to try to be everything for everybody if we if we can. You know what I mean? Like for some people, especially starting off, we're going to be the local community organization that's just looking to help people out in the community and help and help give scholarships out and help create opportunities and different things of that nature for a lot of different people. You know, and as we move later down the line, we still want to have those elements. You know what I mean? As we that we started out with but you know as we get older maybe we're having corporations and um different other other people looking at us like oh, okay this is something that's a little bit more upscale this is outside of the, this is outside of that local branch now that local reach this is something that we can we can start looking at as somebody that we can start partnering with like from a corporate level you know what i mean so it's 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 different. It's, it's, it's really kind of a different strategy than what I've dealt, than what I've dealt with before, like dealing strictly in media, but it's fun. It, it's fun. And so you got, you got to do a lot of different strategies, a lot of different methods, and you really can't have anything that's off the table. Right. Makes sense. So what's next for you? You said what's next. Yeah. What's next for you? Yeah, what's next for us is, you know, we're still going to continue to preach our mission, continue to try to create opportunities. We've already given out, we're going to give out two $500 scholarships um, probably by the end of July, if not the early part of August, um, mm-hmm. to students, to minority students that are going to attend a four-year college or university. Um, right now, we have our sweepstakes that's that's available for everybody who, who wants to participate you can win a thousand dollar cash prize and your donation will go to obviously impacting marginalized communities and helping 
to serve underserved communities and create opportunities for them. And so that's, we're just we're just taking it day by day. You know, the Dooley Foundation we're going just going to continue to grow. You know, for me as an individual, I'm just going to continue to grow every day in my craft and get better than what I need to get better in as a media professional. And we'll see where the road takes us. You know, what I mean, I'm I'm a firm believer. And, you know, God has a plan for your life and God has a purpose. You know, I'm just trying to follow his steps every day and see where that and see where that leads. So that's what that's all we that's all we're doing. That's part of the next steps for us. And that's what we're doing. Now, when we first started talking, you started you talked about your affirmations that you do every day. Yeah. Since you started doing affirmations, have you seen a change? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. One hundred percent. Because I started doing them. I think I started 2021. Yeah, I started doing my start of 2021. And you've just seen, it might not be in a material sense, but you start to see clarity, you know, clarity in what the vision should be, clarity in what your purpose should be, clarity in what you're, what you should see for your life, at least, you know what I mean? And I feel like if you have those steps planned out first, then you'll start to see a lot of those things start to come in. They'll start to come into alignment with what, you know, needs to be going on with your life because of what you're seeing, what you're proclaiming, you know, out of your mouth every day. You see what I'm saying? So I, I think they've helped me a lot, <laughs> to be honest with you. You know, they just give me some sense of structure, some sense of, like I said before, clarity for what I have to go and what I have to do moving forward. So, yeah. Makes sense. This is this is great. I, mean, I wish you the best on everything. How can people get in touch with you? Yeah, they can get in touch with us. If you go on our Instagram um, at the Dooley Foundation, um, you can also follow us on Facebook at Dooley Foundation Incorporated. You know, and we're on Twitter. Just type in the Dooley Foundation. You should be able to find us. If you want to get in touch with me, my, all of my ads are um, at Donovan Dooley on Twitter. Um, and you can just type me and you can find me. So, yeah, if you want to find us, you know, get in touch with us, you know, help us out. Be feel free to donate. Feel free to share the word um, with, with your friends and family. You have a great name, Donovan Dooley. It goes well together. <laughs> how, how important is a good name? I think it's, I think it's, I think it's really important, honestly. It is. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? I think it's honestly, I think it's very important because I always thank my parents for the name because at one point they were going to call me Andrew, and I was like, you know what? Yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have liked that. You're right. So, <laughs> but, yeah, Donovan just kind of flows. It just kind of flows with who I am and, you know, everything that I've done. So it okay. just works. Makes sense. Who you got, Milwaukee or Phoenix, to win this? Man, golly. God, dog. See, if I say something now and I'm wrong when it airs, you know gonna we're gonna pull it up. We're gonna pull it up and we're gonna run it. And everybody's gonna look at me crazy, crazy, <laughs> crazy, crazy enough. Even with how Game Five went, I, I got Phoenix. I got okay. Phoenix. I got Phoenix. Okay. I think that I think that in Game Six, the bats gonna be against the wall, and I think they're gonna pull out something. You know, I think they're gonna pull it out. You know what I mean? I think going back to a game seven in Phoenix with that crowd, I think it's gonna be crazy. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna find a way to win two games here. I know that sounds crazy considering the way Holiday and Middleton and Giannis are how they all played, you know, yeah. in game five, but I think I think the Suns will find a way. I think they'll find a way. I got Milwaukee in six. It's just that size. That that size is a is a is a real thing. And Drew Holiday. 
they don't give him his props for being as great of a defender as, as he is. And in that Brooklyn series, he made Kyrie go in the corner and hide. Right. Now Chris Paul has had three bad games, well, quote-unquote bad games. Yesterday wasn't that bad, but if you're a top-five point guard of all time, you you have 21 and 11, you can't have somebody else that you're playing at a better game, 27, 13, and three. Right. Correct. So, you know, with him being the third best on the team, you know, if you put uh, if you put Middleton above him, so it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. But uh, I'm, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Milwaukee. So we're gonna yeah. run this next. That's, that's a good that's a good pick. I ain't gonna lie to you. It's a good pick. Bro. <laughs> that's, a, that's a that's a brain pick. Phoenix is all in the heart. Phoenix is all right. in the heart right here. That's, that's, Milwaukee's a brain pick though. <laughs> right. But let me tell you, when Milwaukee was down 2-0-2, I figured I, I was still saying Milwaukee, so I placed a couple of bets, and I got some good deals on some bets. I bet $50 to $100, you know, because they were down two already. So, yeah. you know, it's looking good for me. So, but thanks, Donovan. What With you being – one last question. With you being a trained professional, what do you think we can do better in an interview like this? Um, honestly, everything's rent pretty smoothly so far. Um, the only thing that I could say is like, you know, just make sure everything is just still conversational. You know what I mean? That's what people want. Those people want to see. They want to see conversation. They want to see dialogue back and forth. You know what I mean? Like different things of that nature. I felt like this interview, I've, I've done plenty of interviews before. I feel like this interview has been you know, pretty conversational for the most part, you know what I mean? Because I, I do a lot of these different things. I see ones that can be real choppy, you know, yeah. really, and you never really want that. But as far as everything that you guys that you guys have done, I think it's, I think it's pretty good. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks, Donovan. Give, a, give us your ats again, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah. Instagram, at the Dooley Foundation, and at me, at Donovan Dooley. It's just all one word. Um, Twitter. Just type in the Dooley Foundation and just type in my my at at Donovan Dooley. Um, Facebook Dooley Foundation Inc. You know, and just type everything in. You know what I mean. You can also find us on our website at DooleyFoundation.org. So www.DooleyFoundation.org. So thank you. There you go. Sounds good, Donovan. Thank you. I'm good, man. Appreciate you. Have a good day. You too. Thank you for listening. Please go rate us on Apple or Spotify. If we deserve a five, great. If it was not good, please rate us properly. We appreciate the feedback. Have a great day.